the Ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome back, listeners. Today, I have the pleasure of Kevin Wharton as our guest. Kevin is the president of Wharton Research and has done, gosh, how many surveys have you done for us now, Kevin? Is this the fourth <laughs> or fifth one? I was trying to remember, but I think that's about right. Uh, it's uh, the, I do these kinds of projects for some associations for uh, for literally forever since I've been in business for 20 years, but I think that's uh, about six times, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know it's been several, and uh, we're collecting a lot of data, and we're getting some good results. Kevin, thank you for being here, and let's just jump right in. So if you'll please, Kevin, tell us some highlights from this year's survey. Uh, you know, we don't have a whole lot of uh, wild trends. Uh, I, I was reflecting on this when I was putting my notes together for you this morning. Uh, you know, this year we had uh, 1,340, uh, you know, real participants, uh, slightly more than past years, but almost the identical response rate. In terms of some of the key things that, that we have found, uh, I'm, I'm mentally comparing this to what I do with a lot of other healthcare organizations and, and other organizations in general. And even though you all showed a nice bump this year, the mean salary was $134,129. That was up from 128,600 uh, last year. That's about a 4.3% increase. But we've been seeing is in a lot of these uh, surveys an even higher bump for different professions. And of course, the interesting part is uh, we also ask in the survey not just you know how much people make, but how much their own compensation increased. And what I found very interesting was that the median or the midpoint was 3.0%. Uh, a lot of times I'll talk about a mean as, as a, you know, arithmetical average. And sometimes they'll point out the median, which is more often what we think of as the typical uh, response. And so, you know, there, I think what sort of keeps this a little bit down compared to some other professions is that there are always some folks who take the survey who indicate that their pay remain the same. And the averages are driven a little bit more by that smaller subset who report comparatively larger hikes. But what we also saw was that uh, total compensation, including all non-salary compensation, was a mean of $151,100. And if we sort of break these numbers down a little bit in a little bit more detail, uh, what we find is that the total non-salary income, the differential between total compensation and the mean salary was $17,000. And that's just a little shy of 13% uh, of salary. I had not looked at that that closely before, and I thought that was kind of a, an interesting factoid, at least. And what was also interesting drilling down into this is that the mean bonus that was received this year uh, was $19,000, which is actually more than the non-salary income. But to help explain that, 59% of full-time physician assistants actually received a bonus. And so, you know, these figures just report the, the mean non-zero responses. And so what we're seeing is that, again, uh, non-salary compensation is only about 13% of salary, and most of that is accounted for by their bonuses. Then just a couple of other things I thought were uh, interesting from this year's survey. Number one is that the mean income, therefore, from all other non-salary and non-bonus sources was a mean of about $5,750. This included comp for call that's taken for clinic work, you know, those sort of things. It excludes the CME allowance, which is a median of about $2,500. 
So those are some of the bottom line figures. And uh, in addition, of course, this is a compensation and benefits and practice survey. And what we do find is that the benefits are very consistent. Once again, total leave that professionals are eligible for is about 29 days. Almost all have health and dental insurance, and a good majority have life, vision, and disability. Those are some of the, some of the key points I think are always worth noting. Great. Well, let me ask you about trends. Are there any, and I know you went through this with mm -hmm. the non-salary versus bonus and that sort of thing. Are there any trends, especially if you see anything that's worrisome for us as a profession? Well, unfortunately, my answer is disappointingly bland uh, this year. I, I honestly think that after coming out of COVID, a lot of the disruption that we experienced uh, kind of faded away where now we're just sort of to the same old, same old. I think of the old cartoon from years ago where the guy's walking around Wall Street with a sign that says it will never end instead of the world is ending, you know. We're kind of back to a very consistent pattern here. And, and I think that one, you know, huge non-trend that we have is the sheer consistency of the practice profile. I didn't say really anything about it before this. The things that we ask people, their primary concentrations, the proportion who report to different work settings, the clinical and administrative tasks performed, most of those are really, really consistent over time. But I think that we do that to number one, you know, make sure that we measure what variation does occur over time, if it occurs. And then to also determine how compensation varies by both of their work characteristics and their personal demographics. And so I think that that's also very important. And so just to plug that part of the survey report, I always hope that people do look at the middle part of the report, which is, uh, I'm just looking at on my screen, uh, page 18 out of 36 pages total. And what we have there is, of course, you know, how compensation is varying by region. There are many of the same patterns that we have always seen, including, a, for example, a higher base salary in both the Northwest and the Southwest uh, compared to other regions, particularly in the Southeast and the South Central. But then we also try to show a little bit more detail this time in terms of how the other forms of compensation vary in terms of bonus, uh, pay for call taken, uh, urgent care, uh, other income, or even CME allowance, and what proportion of people report those. And I hope that that's going to help with the value. But to make a short story long, I, I do think that what's uh, important here is that compensation has been relatively consistent. It's showing a little bit higher than historical increase that we've seen. And we haven't seen a whole lot of variation in literally anything else in the survey. In a sense, that's kind of reassuring. And of course, you know, I think that a lot of members will want to use it and non-members as well to be able to negotiate better pay increases. But I think overall, we don't see anything that's really worrisome this particular year. Great news. And um, like Kevin was talking about, that's one of the primary benefits for our listeners that are PAOS members, this survey. I mean, it's such a wealth of information. And you can compare where you are compared to your colleagues within your state, within your region, within the U.S. It's a great thing to have, great tool for all of our members. Kevin, was there anything new or different that we asked for 2023? Well, probably not terribly worthy of note. The bane of my existence on this project for years was that we were asking on what your basis of your bonus, your salary increase, your pay for call taken. We always left that as an open-ended sort of blank, which was always very, very difficult to standardize and to report on the back end. And so for the first time, uh, we made all of that closed-ended options. 
Is it included in salaries? Are you paid per weekend, et cetera? And following that, if they indicated that they were being paid by a specific manner, then we would ask them to give us that amount. So in other words, if you're paid per weekend, you know, how much is that that you're actually being paid? I think that resulted in a much clearer exposition for the survey. It meant a little bit more reading on the part of the person taking the survey, but it also allowed us to make everything very normalized and I think also capturing more of the overall response. So I think that's probably the biggest difference that we made this year. And I think next year we may try to refine things just a just a little bit more and perhaps even not collect as much data on professional clinical characteristics uh, and work settings and things like that, since we see so little variation uh, in that from year to year. Perfect. I touched on this a second ago, but I'd like to ask if you could please describe for our members, why is this content so beneficial and why is it so important? for us to do this and to continue it uh, for our membership. Well, I always hope that it is very valuable for those who take the time to, uh, you know, skim through the report and then to also get into those details to, for lack of a better term, find themselves in the tables. Do you have a certain area of emphasis? Are you working in a particular setting? We have all that data in what I hope is a fairly accessible format where you can say that if you are in solo practice and you're in a particular region, you have X number of years of experience, that you can compare yourself not only to the overall average practitioner that I described at the beginning with these findings, but that you can also find where you are in terms of your variation. You know, there's so many things that go into what we get paid, but I think that what this does is try to break it down to where you can truly find your peers, figure out where there are variations in average pay, and hopefully make sure that you're getting paid what you're worth by your employer. Apples and apples, people. Apples and apples. That's what this survey is about. That's why it's so important. If you're working in orthopedics, you're not going to get a better sample. Kevin, any other thoughts regarding our practice and salary survey? Yeah. The one thought that occurred to me literally as I was putting together my my short summary here is that I think that in future years, we'll probably try to do more to explain the variations because everyone has a good science background. They know how to read numbers, but I don't want to assume too much. And I think that what we'll try to do is just provide a little bit more narrative on what seems to be driving the differences, for example, in compensation in the West versus the South. Those kinds of things, without being too burdensome, but just giving folks a little bit of a bouncing ball to go along with the numbers that they're reading. It's the pots of gold they pay people with out in the Southwest. That's the reason why (laughs) I'm convinced of it. Kevin, thank you for being on with us today. You do such a great job with this, and it's such a quality product. Thank you again, and I look forward to talking to you again next year. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Listeners, for our non-members, the Practice and Salary Survey is available for purchase. You can buy that through our website for $350 and covers Practice and Salary Survey data through 2023. Members, this is part of your membership fee. For your $125 membership fee, you get a $350 survey, so please take your time and look at it. Thank you for listening to the Ortho PAC podcast. I want to invite you to our Phoenix meeting. Registration is now open on paos.org. I hope that I see you there.